Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. Speaking of which, our next guest is a United States Army veteran with over two decades of service as a combat engineer. He has attained his MBA and his master's in education since retiring while continuing to train soldiers. He also is a servant leader who volunteers throughout the community. So without further ado, let's welcome Mr. Charles Woods, also known as Chuck. <laughs> welcome, Chuck. Well, thank you, Rich. Can you hear me? I got you. I got you. I had to bring the bell. Well, I like the white bell. Now I know where that noise is coming from whenever I listen to your shows. <laughs> I'm not watching. Yeah, Chuck, heck yeah. So if you don't mind, Chuck, just tell us a little bit more about yourself than I just I gave you a blurb. I, I shrunk your career down to a sentence. 22 oh, okay. years, 20 years. So not yeah, now, well, of course. All right. Well, I, I was born actually in New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, never lived there, but I lived about 45 minutes away. Then uh, in my middle middle school years i moved to salt lake city where i attended junior high and high school then i moved back to louisiana where i graduated from high school there uh shortly after graduating from high school i attended Nichols state university in Thibodeau, louisiana and i uh after two years i joined the military 
And my first duty station was Fort Carson, Colorado. And even early then, I was thinking in my career what I wanted to do when I get out. And I always thought, hmm, I always needed teachers. So I put that on the back of my mind. That's what I would do when I get out of the military. I wanted to teach. But uh spent 22 years in the military. And after I retired, I actually retired in Europe and spent seven years in Europe as a civilian, which is a lot different than being a soldier over there. I enjoyed it. I loved it. But the Germans uh, government wanted to put me into the German tax system. So I was forced to leave and I landed here at Fort Campbell in 2015. And I've been working here since then. Actually working with Rich, we shared an office at one point in our life. <laughs> yes, we did. So we uh, we got moved around a couple of times, kind of like uh, the dude from the office, the office space there, except we right. didn't, didn't lose our stapler at the time. Or as, you know, the young people would say, we got treated like street booty. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah, you can say that. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, so you, you have a, a ton of stories you tell people from your service. I'm sure, I'm sure yes. you got some funny ones you want to share with the audience. Uh, you just leave names out to protect the innocent and uh, and those who may be incarcerated now. So Okay. Uh, you know, in the military, we, um, we have a special relationship. You know, I could, you know, not see Rich for... 15 years running to him in a Walmart. And it's like, we just saw each other yesterday. So we, we have that bond for those people that weren't in the military. It's a special bond. And we have a different type of sense of humor that people outside the military may not, you know, understand or appreciate. And I remember I was in Iraq and for, I'm going to draw a picture for you people that were never in the military or deployed. But uh, we have these trailers, they're called shower shoes or shower trailers, and they're real, real small. You have, if I remember right, they have like three showers and you have basically, if someone is in the shower, when they open the shower uh, curtain, if you're right there shaving, they're like standing right on your back, right? So I was at the last stall uh, brushing my teeth and shaving and my sergeant major was in the first stall and helped draw this picture you know soldiers have been in and out of there and we're having a problem with drainage so you have this nasty water with foam on the top of it and we had pallets on the floor so you didn't have to stand in the water but the water was probably about half an inch over the pallets and my sergeant major was there in the shower and he was reaching for his shampoo and I'm looking out of the corner of my eye and I see him fall out the shower and he's trying not to fall on the floor and land in this froth, you know, that has developed on the floor. And he fell on the floor and his effort trying not to hit the floor. He wound up rolling on the floor. So he got all this nasty scum all over him. And he just gave me this look like you didn't see nothing. <laughs> so. I tried not to laugh. I probably turned a nice shade of burgundy from not laughing and holding it in. But, of course, I couldn't keep that one to myself. I told a couple of my close friends. But, yeah. Definitely, that's a good one. You know, falling in that gray water in the shower, you already get some kind of a disease on your feet, taking a shower, thinking you're getting clean, and then you fall on it and probably got something in his mouth, too. So, that's probably Oh, yeah, he he fell flat on his back and rolled. (laughs) That's, that's not a good time. That's like doing a rucksack flop into a hole and, and finding out you're in hell. So, yeah. So, you've been around the world. I mean, you, you got you got yeah. to stay in the rest of Ramadi for a little while, you, Germany for yeah. a long time. Yes. What was I, your uh, favorite location? My favorite location, I would say 
overseas, I I traveled a lot overseas and a lot of former Eastern European bloc countries, Poland, Romania, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia. But out of those countries, I'd say Romania was my favorite just because wow. the people were so friendly. The food was good and excellent alcohol. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Western Europe. I love Amsterdam. Amsterdam was a beautiful place. And I went there each time I went, I went with the family. So it was a family trip. So, you know, you hear all these crazy things about Amsterdam, but Amsterdam is a great family place. And I would say Rome and to the Vatican, because the Vatican's considered its own like state. It's right there in Rome, but Vatican City is like its own state. So uh or city, but uh the Vatican. Outstanding. I mean it you listed a bunch there, so listeners like, so dang, you got to see everything. He's so lucky. He's so <laughs> lucky to be forward and have to get on yeah. that train or ride his car across those those quick borders, no passports for a while while you were over there, and then right. just went to passports now. But I'm sure it, getting to see all that uh, before you had, you had the opportunity to go to Ramadi and things like that kind of opened your eyes. So Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a funny story about the travel like that. We went to Rome and my son was probably about 10 years old and he didn't want to go to the Colosseum. And he was upset like, oh, this is nothing but a bunch of pile, a pile of old rocks. And I have pictures of him laying there with his arms folded and pouting. And then he was playing on his Xbox about two years later. Um, I was uh, the Assassin's Creed and it was based in Rome. And he actually knew his way around Rome from the video game. So <laughs> there was some there was some gain from it. He didn't realize it at the time, but he appreciated it later, whether it was for the right reason or not. Of course. And you know, as much as you hate to let him sit in front of a game and play games, I guess it, it teaches him something these days. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an awesome attribute to have and things – like your both your kids were able to see the world at, at young ages, so yes, that's outstanding. And so having that experience for them is amazing. And having, especially for you two, you got to yeah. see it. And as a young man, and then yeah. now how you are now, a little older, no, 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 no. World now, so that you've aged a little bit. Yeah. I mean, just last year you had a, a life changing uh, event where you had a barracuda nearly kill you. Yes, bad snorkeling experience. Yeah, yeah, bad snorkeling experience. Luckily, I had my wife there, and she went under and scared the barracuda away. But he he was looking at me with that look in his eye. <laughs> How big was that barracuda again? Now, with me telling the story, I mean, his eye was probably about the size of a dinner plate. But uh, if my wife tells a story, she says he was that big. But his so women are good with measurements. Women are good with measurements. He's saying about three inches, four inches, but yeah. in his eyes, it was three feet long and yeah. mouth about the size of a, a Mustang. Yeah, I thought I saw it with the kid's leg hanging out of his mouth as it swam by. <laughs> of course. <laughs> now, we met just over, what, 2018 uh, when yeah. I, I came yeah. on the position yeah. before me and you got moved around a little bit and uh, yeah. where we are now. And we used to, we started this club called the Chicken and Beer Crew, and uh, <laughs> every Friday we'd go and uh, we'd find a place. Of, for a while, it was a Korean restaurant that had great chicken and cold beer. So we we'd go there, we'd sit, and we'd just chat and have a good time. That's how we became friends, and how you right. became part of our lives here in the, with the Misfit Nation and a member of the board now. So we we use you, we lean on you for 
for advice and things, especially with your MBA background. You know, you're the smart guy of us in the business world. <laughs> no, you're the doctor candidate. <laughs> doctor candidate. Not in business. Not in business. I'm a not in business. Sure. <laughs> so for us to move forward, you know, we we need those sponsors and such. So who do you think we should reach out to for the Misfit Nation to get out there and get those sponsors in here and get the, the cash flow rolling? Uh, I would tell you, from my personal experience, I would uh, look at some of the fraternity alumni, alumni fraternities, because a lot of them are willing to donate because there are what it's 501C. Yeah. 501C. I know I'm a member of Alpha Fraternity Incorporated and we are 501C. And I think all the alumni chapters or organizations of the MPAC, which is National Panhellenic Council, are 501c organizations outstanding and i mean that's what we look for you know giving back to the community and stuff like that and i think this is a great uh, platform that you have here rich and usually I, i'll call you and tell you i listen to this one this one that because in the office when i don't feel like listening to anybody else i'll listen to your podcast that i miss or if i'm traveling that's when i listen to them and i catch up on them and i mean you had some very interesting guests and i've learned a lot from your show but yeah, looking for those sponsors, I would, you know, like I said, I would start there and then I would start looking at the local community, um, just different individuals in the community. I don't know. I know we don't want to get or cross that line and get into the political aspect of it because we don't want people to think you're leaning one way or another with any type of party because that sometimes or could be, you know, a downfall or something that people may frown upon. But yeah, uh, I would say when I was with the Boy Scouts and uh, I was over in Germany with the Boy Scouts and I was one of adult leaders. And I, when I left there, I was actually the treasurer and we would look to the local community and being we were in Germany on a military base, we would go like to the local clinic and, you know, we'd say, OK, we can we'll donate a Christmas tree because we had a pretty good scheme over there because they would um, thin out the forest every year, right before Christmas. And they would donate the trees to us where we would actually give the trees away for donations. Um, and that's how we would raise money. Unlike the popcorn sales and some of the other things that the Boy Scout did, but we were a small tight knit community. So we had, you know, our name was out there and that's something I would tell you or we would look for is getting your name out there, letting people know who you are, what your organization is, you know, how you provide this platform for everyone, any and everyone that has a voice and want to be heard. And, you know, word of mouth, I think word of mouth. And I don't think you're large enough yet to have a billboard, <laughs> but hey, I have your sticker and your number and stuff. And, you know, I, I talk to people about it because pretty soon my wife will probably be on here uh doing the show and i mean she has an interesting story herself about where she came from and where she is now story but resilience yeah. too yes yes definitely there and uh like you said uh the, the growing part is is there for us and uh we're not joe rogan yet so billboards right. aren't part of it yet right but we do have a loyal fan base and that helps out a lot as well yeah and i mean uh, you're a member of the jeep club and you know even i would just think even advertising there with the Jeep or on your Jeep club. And I know if I'm not mistaken, you have it on your Jeep. Yes. But, and I actually have a couple of your stickers on different things. One on my water bottle, you know, and 
you know, I've talked to different people. Actually, my wife and I just picked up some photos from a photographer and I actually gave him your contact information because he he is from. I want to say Argentina, and he has an interesting story about how he came to the United States and how he became a photographer and how he has a successful business in um, Nashville. And, it, you know, it just shows that the American dream still exists if you're willing to pursue it. If you want to put the work in, anything's there for anything's possible for you right. to work in. And, and not to get off topic, but yeah, I think that's one of the major problems with society and youth today. A lot of them feel entitled. It's not the same generation we grew up in where, you know, once you graduate from high school, your parents looked at you and said, okay, what's your plan? You go in the military, you go going to find a job, you're going to college, whatever you do, and we're going to support you in it. But you have to find the finances for it. Definitely. And uh, it was usually uh, get a, you getting a job was no matter. That was, that was no brainer. You had to get a job coming out of high school. Right. It, most of us had jobs coming out of high school anyway. You were already yep. working in high school, one or two jobs at least. And then uh, you had those choices. You're going to go to college or get a trade and do that. And uh, yeah. like a lot of us, but we, we served with, a, took that that right turn into the military and then a lot of our friends took that mm -hmm. trade or or the college route to became professionals and did great mm -hmm. things for for themselves on that in that area as well. And you know, we, you said that, and it made me think of something. And uh, when I was doing my master's in education, I did some research, and we and it was research basically on you know how the young mind thinks to a certain extent when it comes to education. And I'm sitting here, and you made me think about that. And with me looking at that research I did, and I um, basically did the research with students that had a better understanding of the English language and better communication skills versus, you know, everybody else in the class. But it was math. And my research, what I discovered, those that had a better understanding of the language and how to communicate knew the right questions. And those were the better students. And fast forward I taught for the University of Maryland at their uh, European campus, and I taught here at uh, Nashville State. And that's one of the major issues I saw with a lot of my students is that they weren't properly taught at the lower level. And I think that that's one of the issues we're seeing today because, like I said, my wife, like your wife's a school teacher, and she'll ask, and not elementary, high school teacher, and she'll ask students, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? And she gets answers like, I want to be an influencer, or I want to be famous. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I guess it's a different mindset. Definitely, yeah. And I think it's part of the Kardashian effect as well. Uh, a lot yeah. of the young, Everybody young wants now, I don't even fast. know what they are. They want yeah, that fast, quick money, fast money on. They want their face everywhere and, and don't want to work for it or don't really want to work too hard for it. Just showing, showing that they can follow someone's dance or lip sync to someone else's music. Yes. And we can do that. We can do, we can karaoke all day. And yes, we can. <laughs> we have that plan to go out and do some karaoke here in a few weeks or this week, next week, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll, we'll figure Friday, out. Friday. Every Friday, chicken and beer crew still hangs out. That's right. And we'll be right back after this quick break. When the sun goes down and the evening rolls around, that's the time I find. Got blue ribbon on my mind. 
good Pabst. America's premium beer since 1844. Pabst. A lot to look forward to. We are back with Chuck Woods, a U.S. Army veteran, combat engineer, and overall good dude, founding member of the Chicken and Beer crew. And uh, we're hanging out here, here live uh, on About Face Radio, Electrocast Radio, Electrocast Media, and all the Facebook, all the social media. So jump in, ask your questions. Chuck is well, ready and willing to answer questions right now. He's, <laughs> he's amped up. Uh, first comment on here was... Uh, how come you're not in the same room with drink drinks? And I told him, I said, because Chuck forgot. That's why. That's the only reason why that happened. That's why he's not in Studio A one right now. But yes, I, you know, um, you know, we work hard and we play hard, but sometimes we have these things that trump that stuff. It's called like a honeydew list. And I had one this afternoon, and I actually almost, you know, I forgot. Not almost. I did forget about this until you sent me the message, Rich. And I was like, all right, send me a link. But I, I was in the process of scratching things off a honeydew list. Heck yeah. That, I mean, life happens. We understand. Steve understands, too. Uh, <laughs> his better half chimed in, oh, no, not you you singing. So she doesn't want to sing it, but I guess we have to now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll do it, man. And now, now the challenge accepted. We're going to get out there and sing. We might even wear outfits. That's right. Matching Chuck has, ones. Chuck has a lot of last time we wore matching outfits, right? Yes, yeah, so I got married. Video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve also asked, Will you be with us in June at the race? Yes, yeah, see that? Most he's definitely yeah. well, you know, he's ready. He's ready. For those, that, famous. for those that don't know, I have never been a NASCAR fan, it's never interested me. And last year, Rich invited me to the NASCAR race. And I was like, yeah, I'll, why not? You know, and I fell in love. I <laughs> fell in love. I mean, just with the the sound, the crowd, the people, you know, everything, the beer, the, just the whole atmosphere. So I, I'm a NASCAR fan now. And speaking of beer, that you were the first one of us that got in trouble on pit row. Yes, for walking out. So pit excited road. walking down pit row with that beer, with your press pass on, and. All the security guards, they look at everyone and they see you come right at you. I thought they were profiling at first, and then I realized what was happening. I well, they gave me some leniency because I was new to NASCAR. I didn't know. I couldn't bring my beer on pit row. So, you know, I went ahead. They said you could dump it or finish it. So I you went and did the ladder because, you know, they weren't cheap. So you I went wasn't to dumping it. Style right there and down that thing. And uh, it was yeah. impressive. And I think everyone around uh, watched them was very happy watching you drink that thing. As they were sweating to death in pit row. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. So we will be together again at, at Nashville Super Speedway in June under the stars. Hopefully the race gets in without rain this time so we don't have to stay at the bar as long. But otherwise, I mean, we'll do that anyway. Yes. So as long as I could get, uh, you know, uh, infield pass, uh, you know, you, you're I don't need a pit row, but, you know, actually, I could borrow yours to go there. But as long as we get the infield pass, I'm there. We're working at we're working at through the studio right now, so we'll, we'll have it, and uh, hopefully we'll have hard hard cards so we can go into the into the actual garages as well. Cool. So it'll be an even more better experience for you. So we've talked about uh, army life, talked about work life, school, 
where do you see yourself in five years uh, as far as <laughs> are you going to be an adjunct professor still or, or do you uh, want to get back in I know you're on a hiatus right now since the COVID yeah. world happened. Yeah, I think uh, probably so. But as much as I hate it, I think I'll be totally online because, as you know, my plan is to bounce between here and Panama once I retire in about five years because I'm looking at five years for good and just hanging up the boots and you know, when it's warm here, I'll be here. When it's cold here, I'll be in Panama. <laughs> See, With Rich, probably, right? You'd be like a snowbird, but extreme. Extreme. And yes. I mean, because I I, I enjoy teaching. I, I enjoy teaching, uh, you know, just sharing the stories with the students, listening to their stories. It's almost like being in the military because, you know, you have everybody comes from different you know, parts of the world, different aspects of life. And their one common ground that they meet on is in the classroom. It's kind of like in the military, you know, you have people in the military that I'll say that you probably would never have associated with if you weren't in the same unit and you had to work with them. And, you know, those are the people that you don't hang out with outside of work, but you still had to have that professional relationship. But they came, they came from all, you know, all walks of life. And it's like in the classroom, you know, you have some students that, come from money some who's you know maybe homeless i've dealt with that with my wife with students she's had you know that were actually homeless right you know so it's just being compassionate and i think i could do that you know i i, I want to teach i want to get back in the classroom and my wife she's thinking the same thing she's like yeah you know i could just teach online Definitely, yeah. Especially, I mean, she can teach language online and probably make a lot more yes. doing it online than she does in the district here. <laughs> and with that, also, I didn't mention that she's, you know, she's certified for the visually impaired, so she can read Braille and do all that stuff. Which is, that's one of the things she saw in the public sector before she went in there. That they did have students that were visually impaired in the regular schools, but they really didn't have anybody there for them. You may have maybe had somebody came in once every other week or so. What's up, Jake? <laughs> but yeah, just, but yeah, you know, just you know, trying to make the world a better place. I know I've seen you uh, with soldiers training them and how you uh, create the bond with with them, even though you, you know you're not in the uniform no more. Yeah, you still get up in front of them, you train them, uh, and you you create bonds with them and lasting bonds. I've seen guys come back into the office asking for help after. Especially the one that wanted his fire stick helped with you a bunch of times. Uh, he was also he was, he was also one of your college yeah. students. Yeah, he was one of the college students and a soldier. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was that was a good one. And I know uh, when we go to to our Friday spot now, the Thirsty Goat, right here in Clarksville, Tennessee. Uh, there's an employee there that comes up to you that also was one of your students at Nashville State, yeah. and he acts like he's still in your class, even though it's been a few years now. So yeah, he's graduated and moved on. Yes. But yeah, I've seen him. Great kid. Uh, and I remember him fresh out of high school, not to see how much he's grown. You know, he's working. He's graduated from college. And that's the type of stuff I like. And I mean, he doesn't have one of these six figure jobs working somewhere. He works at the, you know, the little bar we go to and he has another job also. Yeah. So he, but he still has that, you know, he has that diploma in his kit bag in case he needed to, see, you know, pull it out later. He's definitely uh, staying uh, focused on his future and focused on it. He stays local, so he likes yes. it. 
he's trying to help people here. And of course, the Thirsty yes. Ghost good launching pad with a pretty good staff and of course cold beer. Yes. They don't have the they don't have the chicken for us, but they, they do have the beer. Yeah. So we, as as a veteran, <laughs> where do you see the largest problem for veterans right now, Chuck? You know, I would say one of the largest problems I see for veterans, especially veterans from our era, we deployed a lot. We saw a lot of things, right? You know, stress in the house, <laughs> stress on the battlefield, you know, just the stress of being a soldier, being deployed. And I would say one of the largest issues I see are soldiers not reaching out for help when they need help not recognizing that they need help when they need help because uh you know a lot of times they just think that oh i'm just going through a little phase and it'll be all right but sometimes it's deeper issues and uh i know you and i were talking about it i can't remember the name with the light that goes back and forth oh, the emdr M emdr and you know I, I had issues and i went and i had my doubts about looking at a light going back and forth and then closing my eyes and it helped me a lot it helped me a lot and there are there you know all you have to do is call the number you just call the number and i'm sure you have it rich somewhere around here <laughs> just call the number and let them know that you're experiencing some things or you know you may have some things on your mind that are bothering you and they'll get you in as soon as right they're going across the bottom yep don't be afraid to ask for help. That's a main thing. That's a very important thing. And understanding that you have a problem is a probably the top of the list. If you don't want to admit you have a problem, you'll never get the help you need. You can be in told. The, you can be told in your face by your the bows you love, those in your inner circle, that something's wrong with you, and you'll just deny it, deny, deny yeah. until things. Like I'm go. not sick. I'm I'm in good physical shape. I'm not sick. You know, right. I'm I'm good. But yeah, it's those that those are the illnesses and stuff that you don't see. Exactly. And uh, we got a great question here for both of us. I'll let you answer it first. So this one is from C.S. Lewis. Uh, what was the hardest part of transitioning to civilian life for both of you? I'll go first. For me, what I was going to do when I got out. But, um, I, I, you know, I knew the military would end one day, so I took advantage of it. The army sent me down to Florida. I was stationed in Miami and that job ended at three o'clock every day. It didn't follow me home. So I went to school because I always wanted to teach. So that's when I um, did my teaching certification through University of West Florida. So I was like, you know, no matter how bad the economy will be, they'll always need teachers. But I don't want to teach little kids anymore <laughs> because my license was K through six. But um, the hardest thing is realize you know the realization that i'm actually going to do this because i've seen it with friends of mine that decide okay i want to retire or get out then it's like well what am i going to do what am i going to do i had a good friend he was the first sergeant and he stayed until he couldn't because he was in so much debt that he didn't know what he's going to do once he got out the military so the hardest thing is just prioritizing you know life after the military one thing I would tell you is, you know, if you don't have a guaranteed job or employment, you know, start looking at paying down those bills. So you're not taking that because when you get out, your check's going to be cut in half, depending on how long, you you know, you stayed in, but minimum in half. 
So, you know, just once you set that plan, start uh, putting it in motion. And one of the things that I was told back when I ate captain 2008, it's a flood the market with your resumes. It's a technique. I didn't do it. I looked at jobs I thought I was qualified for. I applied for three jobs and I got hired for all three jobs and I didn't flood the market. But the thing is taking a good, honest inventory of yourself, what skills you have and where you can apply them outside the military. Definitely. And uh, for me, I've seen all of my brothers and sisters that were getting out before me, getting out and falling into these GS positions, GS, 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 uh, government service positions. And I thought that that must be the easiest route. So if they're falling into them, I'll be able to just fall right into one too. And as I got closer, I finished my bachelor's degree, got my degree in Homeland Security Emergency Management. I applied to those jobs with the GS positions and basically they weren't there anymore because all those other people had taken them. So those jobs weren't there. So I put all my eggs in that one basket, wasn't really prepared for the what if next. So it took me 365 days to find a job. So the hardest part was becoming humble and learning that I wasn't, I wasn't the top notch guy at first and then just building myself back up and uh, keep myself humble and just kept hustling throughout the whole time until Finally, at 365 days, I got the job with uh, the mission continues out in St. Louis, stayed there for a couple of years and jumped on where I am now. And uh, I've never looked back from where I started now. And uh, I think I'm doing great things now pursuing my doctorate. So uh, my, my lesson was just becoming humble. And one, one, you, you brought up something also. One thing you have to remember is, especially if you were senior leadership, you in the military or in the leadership position, you may be the low man on the totem pole. You may right. be, you know, you may not be in charge anymore. Definitely. And uh, our brother George just gave a pretty long uh, statement mm -hmm. here. Uh, great topics, gents. Vulnerability is tough to mention as a veteran. While we we're in, we were told to know and understand all things because there was an SOP or written guideline on how to do it. There is no SOP rule book on transitioning back to civilian life. It's a learn, listen, and seek help as we go. Just hope others are hearing this as well. And I think that's spot on. Thanks, that George. Is, yes. Hope you're doing well, George. Yep. Is he coming to NASCAR? Uh, I have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just did. So, George, are you coming? You can leave it in the comments. But that's definitely a thing there. And you have to listen to those around you. Seek the help and, and actually listen to what they say when they give you the help. Don't just uh, listen to answer. Listen to hear. Once you hear what they're saying, uh, then you uh, formulate that question, formulate that second set of questions, and you find that you wind up with more answers. So it'd be it's awesome that way. Mm -hmm. I gave a crying emoji. I'm not sure what that means, but he's sad. Or maybe you, you, you touched him with your response. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I was just being humble. No NASCAR, but it'll be up soon. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's why he said. Oh, we made him sad. <laughs> So, Chuck, what else do you want to you want to jump on? You, what other subject do you want to talk? We talk about a lot of things when we're out. We, we, we've been all over the place. We haven't, you know, we, we haven't even zero yet, but we're we're on the qualifying range already. Well, everywhere we go, over the place. everywhere we go, uh, there's not a stranger we find. We we That's talk right. to, we talk to yeah. someone everywhere we go. Yeah. Uh, just hey, I mean, my neighbor and your neighbor was at the goat, <laughs> and, and it, it it was an instant connection that was awesome. And uh, hopefully, he's there Friday. We can hang out with him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, 
And I'm, I'm sure you can appreciate this. And, you know, some of the listeners right now is that one of the things I'm really starting to enjoy about life is being an empty nester. You know how many trips I've been on in the last six months or so. And I would tell anyone, you know, if you can get out the house, it helps get out the house. You don't have to go on elaborate trips. I mean, just get in the car and drive an hour, hour and a half in one direction, stop, eat lunch, you know, with your spouse or significant other and come back, you know, because I enjoy that freedom of not having kids in the house anymore. And because before, you know, you couldn't do those type of things when you had little kids and, you know, we're part-time owners of the dog. We only have them half the month. So, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. The dog's not here all the time. He's only here two weeks out of the month. That's what's called joint custody, Chuck. Joint, it is joint custody, yeah. And, you know, I would say just because we never know when, which day is going to be our last day. Take every day and, you know, make do it to its fullest. Exactly. Live life to your fullest because you never know. Like my dad told me a couple of years ago that we all have an appointment. We just don't know what day it is. So yeah. live life to, to the fullest and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy every minute of it. Uh, being yeah. an empty nester is great. You can walk around the house naked as much as you want. Yeah. Uh, just, just don't answer the door naked. Uh, that's frowned upon, I've been told. Yeah. So just don't do that. But you can do whatever you want in your own house. And like you said, you got to get outside those walls. Walk outside, yeah. get the air. And just like you, you have your bike, you can go for a ride. You know, let the air hit your face. Just don't let someone yeah. back into you while you're driving. Yeah. And then uh, just find places to go. Find something new all the time. Uh, with me, the Jeep, I just go out to the trails and get mudded up. And that's the best part yeah. of it. And, I mean, a lot of people were confined by COVID. You know, all the COVID restrictions have been lifted. But, you know, some people are still hesitant. You know, get out. Get out. Start your life again. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, click the unclick the pause button. Exactly. Uh, C.S. Lewis just uh, posted again, and uh, this is a good one. That so I, I, I definitely remember this one. Will you be daring your next guest to eat a whole chicken? Uh, C.S. Lewis did that for me one time oh. in the office, and uh, I, I laughed all the time about it. And but we all laughed about it. And I oh, so that's it. who C.S. Lewis. Is, I don't huh? believe that C.S. Lewis did that, but ah. Uh, uh. It was a feat that not many other people could do. Thank you, okay. C.S. Lewis. Now, now I know who C.S. Lewis is. <laughs> so I would definitely challenge someone else to do it. I don't think they could, C.S. C.S., yeah. Well, you need to have C.S. on here. Uh, C.S. would have to wear a hood and a face would be, have to be scrambled out for OPSEC and stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will provide bush latte, so that that will help out. Oh, okay. So I mean, we talked about transition. We talked about veteran issues, uh, getting out of your own way to seek help, seek advice. Uh, the show provides a lot of that for everybody uh, with all the different guests I have, authors, entrepreneurs, coaches, musicians, uh, folks like uh, yourself, other veterans that have been through the, through the ups and downs of the transition or or life as it's as it's on its own. Life has its own obstacles. You don't have to be a soldier or, or a veteran mm-hmm. to have obstacles. Everyone has obstacles. And you can go through you go through it either alone and fight it until you die, or you 
bring that inner circle in and let them know something's going on. And there you go. Everyone hangs out. Yep. So true. <laughs> just, Jake, just enjoy life, man. Jake just said he, he bets you can eat a whole chicken. He'll provide it. <laughs> what you mean by that, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> well, Jake just spit out his drink right now. I can feel it. Well, you know, I have eaten a whole chicken before. <laughs> Not in one sitting. <laughs> no, no. I tell you back, you know, um, Army story. There we go. Uh, when we, you know, those of us that went to sapper school during the survival phase, they, um, they don't feed you probably for like three or four days. You have all the water you want, but they take you out to the woods at about two o'clock in the morning and you have to set up a patrol base. And, you know, you have to go through your priorities of work. And about six o'clock, they tell you, you know, you had survival classes, go find something to eat. And it's still dark. So, you know, you're looking for wild carrots, wild onions, you know, anything you could find out there to eat. And when you get back, you know, they tell you, okay, go ahead, start performing your personal hygiene. And, you know, child's here. You guys, once you get everybody back, you'll eat. And they give everybody a live rabbit and a live chicken or a live chicken. So you have your choice. What do you want, a rabbit or a chicken? And, that chicken looked like a museum piece when it was done because there was no meat, no cartilage, nothing on those bones. <laughs> I bet, I bet. And well, you're also starving being in that school because I know it's a, it's not a fun school if you're weak minded or weak uh, stomached. So you have to get through there hard, especially when you went through before they actually uh, gave you. Yeah, I, went, I went when it was hard when school was three years old. That's what I tell people. I went when it was hard. <laughs> You're almost a plank bearer at the time, so that's you're, right. You're still a test, a test soldier at the time, basically. I, I think we were, because yeah. <laughs> the school was longer. It was like 37 days, 35, 37 days. And and now the the graduation rate now is a lot higher than it was then. Yeah, it could be from uh, people knowing the test, or just that it's gotten well, a little easier. I I tell you, I went from Fort Carson, and we lost. We sent 25 guys from Fort Carson from my unit, and we all trained together. We lost one guy because it was an injury. And another half class, half our class was from Fort Polk. They had like three guys graduate out wow. of 25. See, that's attrition right there. Yeah, two of them were officers. <laughs> but, yeah, we trained up for it, though. You know, we trained up for it for like three months. and But that's back when we were sending the units. So we sent – all the officers and however many NCOs that were in leadership positions to make the 25 for our group from Fort Carson. Wow. And uh, we both know a couple of the original instructors there. So, Oh yeah. 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 Know how hard they were back then and how they eased up, eased up a little bit as they got older in life and look yes, back one at of, the things they did. <laughs> one of them was my Sergeant major in Germany and I remember him as a young sergeant first class in Sapper school. And as a sergeant major, he couldn't run fast anymore. <laughs> but he will run you for two hours at a knee grinding pace. Just like Gunny Highway. Yeah. <laughs> Your knees are hurting when he's done. That's what it's all about. If if the soldiers aren't in pain and if they're beating you, you're not doing your job. So right. you gotta keep going until they can't beat you anymore. Uh, I got back from Kandahar in 2010, uh, 2011. Before I let the soldiers go and leave, I took them on a 10 mile run outside Angel's Gate from the from the company area, 
just so they'd be tired when they went on leave and they wouldn't do anything stupid the first night. It would, it would take a few weeks to a weekend to leave before they would do anything stupid. And uh, they always look back on us. That, that was the most insane thing they did. I said, I tried my best to make you guys happy. So that's what I did. Well, well speaking of the insane things that we do in the Army, I don't know if I ever told you a story about when I got to Fort Hood. When I got to Fort Hood, my daughter was just born, so my wife didn't fly. So I was at Fort Hood for almost four months by myself. Oh, boy. I was in a three-bedroom house with a cot, a 13-inch TV, and a desktop computer. So <laughs> whenever my soldiers would screw up, I would uh, make them work at night. I said, you couldn't do it on you know, the Army's time, so you do it at night. So they used to call me the dark side because I work soldiers. <laughs> yeah. I said, no, you can go home, eat dinner, but be back here at 1800. But just, you know, the stuff we used to do that we can't do anymore. And for those uh, wondering what a desktop computer is, it's the computer that has the back like a box on it. Like an old <laughs> Looks like an old console television. The old console <laughs> television. Just, just so Chuck isn't aging himself too much right there. Yeah. Let you know. Well, you're right behind me now. How old are you now, Rich? 52? I'm 41, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this has been great, Chuck. Great having you on the Misfit Nations. Uh, next time you'll be in Studio 1A. And, Definitely. Uh, we will have some uh, Misfit Nation beverages going on from the bar yeah, downstairs. Yeah. And, hey, who knows? I might bring that bottle of tequila. There it is. There it is. <laughs> maybe, we'll get, maybe we'll get C.S. Lewis to come on the show and uh, yeah, yeah. praise us with that presence. Yeah, yeah. All so right, then. Any parting words, Chuck, for the Misfit Nation? I appreciate it. And, you know, you, you got my creative juices flowing. I'm going to see if we can find some sponsors. Heck yeah, there, there it is. And the Misfit Nation, thanks you. I'll give you one more bell for you, Chuck, since I know you love the bell. That's right. Hey, and tell Lynch. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 